0: I'm obsessed with
1: it Hello, my name is Fraser and this is J'obsessed The podcast where I chat to people I can't get enough of About what they can't get enough of Obsessed We'll find out what they're obsessed with
0: No, not the Penang curry
1: Who they're obsessed with A sea cucumber And maybe even some dirty little secret obsessions Don't yucky yum This is what I mean, we need to know more about these things (laughs) I'm so excited that you're here Welcome back to Obsessed.
0: <laughs> I'm
1: very, very, very excited to have the special Carvey in the room today. Welcome, Carvey. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: Carvey is a pop artist. He's a model and he's a very, not very soon, but soon in the next six years to be lawyer. He's Here going... <laughs> <laughs> Carvey released his debut EP Crushed last year. Facts. Which is an incredible um, EP with a bunch of electric pop hits. Very that. That I am still obsessed with to be honest. Um, is she obsessed with <laughs> he's one of the most impressive people I know and I'm really glad that he's here. Welcome Carvey
0: Thank you. <laughs> I feel like that was a speech you give as like my best man. <laughs>
1: And <laughs> my wedding And I haven't even gotten to why I'm obsessed <laughs> Alright, here we go First, I wanna I was looking at your Twitter Oh
0: my like, Do you even follow me on Twitter?
1: I don't have Twitter The only time I had Twitter was When it was mid-COVID And I was having a uh, bit yeah. of a crisis And I was practicing Making tweets And most of oh them God, had to I do remember. with Corgis and And Trump, Trump. And
0: It was Corgis and Trump
1: <laughs> It was Corgis and Chargill
0: No, there was no shy girl. It was Trump. (laughs) Shut up.
1: (laughs) Anyway, I was looking at your Twitter and I just wanted to bring up this post that you actually shared yesterday. And tell me about... The caption was, so, so, so sick of seeing this genre of man. Can you describe
0: the man? Uh, It was like, so, so sick of this man and two images of your like classic... (laughs) Aussie rap scallion, the untidy mullet and the mo but, like I quoted it and I my tweet was hear me out, and I say that because I like I think that that energy and that vibe is just so appealing. <laughs> I was gonna say that was why I was it's gonna... actually it's really hot. <laughs> no, I was like, isn't
1: this the man you go for?
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: Uh, now, Kavi, the, the reason why I'm so obsessed with you is because I've seen how dedicated you are to your vision. You are someone who is so driven and constantly working toward your goals. I've seen you start projects and finish projects and just seeing you on that journey is really motivating and, and inspiring to see. Um, but other than that, you're just an incredibly kind and loyal friend and also, I love your unhinged um, hilarity. Your, <laughs> your TikToks are the most unhinged things I've ever seen. Thank you. I t- that is like the biggest compliment.
0: <laughs> I think like <clears throat> I try to start doing TikTok more, like just committing to TikTok. That I think it's just like, just, yeah, I've accepted the whole thing about needing to be good at TikTok to support music. And I think like I there was a period where like I tried to do the really cool like lifestyle TikToks with like Sunset Lover by Petit Biscuit <laughs> playing over there. And I was just like this isn't me. But I think once I tapped into like the unhinged like ADHD neurodivergent vibe, it like it it felt yeah, it there there were the ideas are flowing. I just get like really stoned and then scroll through TikTok and I feel like my brain works at like five times capacity when I'm stoned. So I'd like just scroll through all the sounds and be like, oh yeah, this one, like I've got like three ideas for this and I just jot them all down my notes app. And then when I was like sobered, sobered up the next day, I'd weed out the bad <laughs> ones. <laughs>
1: Wait, what does this one even mean what does it say is that english do you remember that tiktok that you did um through lockdown in sydney last year and you were following <laughs> following me on a
0: walk it was like my most no no actually it's my second most successful tiktok to date it was like very recently surpassed but yeah i like 50 percent of the comments were just like compliments about your carbs
1: (laughs) so basically he was following me back no we went out together
0: no we we i wasn't even following you we like yeah we went went out together
1: together. but then carby was filming me and obviously i was i looked around annoyed that he was filming me but then he captioned it something like (laughs)
0: following my depressed housemate (laughs) on his lockdown walk (laughs) And it, looked, oh. and it looked
1: really legit and it was incriminating for me. And I mean, you were depressed.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I can talk about the reasons, but I won't. <laughs> the, I, the, the, so there was like one demographic, like just violently commenting about the calves. And then there was like another <laughs> demographic that was that like f- scared the fuck out of me when they were like. I know the street. I I've walked this same walk many times. Bestie, I live around the corner and I was like, this isn't okay. <laughs> like the algorithm in in like collaboration with Geolocation is Yeah. It, it's terrifying. Yeah, no, I it was it was just too specific. <laughs> like don't 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 service this to people in my street. <laughs>
1: What was the what was the TikTok that has surpassed that virality?
0: Ah, uh, it was to this sound. Uh, I think the the context of like this sound was like obviously very sexual, and it was being like, "Where's my munch? Where's my munch at?" But then I, with my like massive stoner brain energy, recontextualized it as like, "Where are my munchies when I'm stoned?" <laughs> and it like and like it it, it was. I think it went off because it was genuinely relatable and like this was a genuine genuine thing that I felt when I'm like really stoned and all I want is like a snack, but I'm like an ingredient household. Like I only have ingredients. I don't have like snacks. Oh, I did see this. Yeah. And yeah, it's just like the worst feeling when I'm hungry and I'm stoned and I can't find a snack. So then I have to spend like $22 in Uber Eats for like the tiniest... (laughs) The thing of ice cream. (laughs) Yeah. But at
1: least it's connoisseur. Yeah, period. So, Carvey, I'm sort of interested to hear more about this from your experience and your perspective. But as we know, your identity and your queerness is something that you are obviously proud of, but it's like quite prominent within your, with how you present yourself and I think that it's quite, it's quite a step away from growing up in a conservative Hare Krishna household. How was it for you stepping into that queerness, particularly with your online presence?
0: I, I think it's it like, it's been such a journey to sort of, I think, work out who I am and how I want to relate to my queerness. Um... And it was really this last summer in Sydney that I think solidified that for me. I think prior to that, I guess, yeah, growing up and coming out, I never had someone that I could relate to in, I guess, pop culture, which is where, like, yeah, a lot of queer kids sort of, like, look to to sort of see what queerness looks like. Yeah, so I never had that, and then I think coming out there was a period of time where i tried to fit into what i'd seen queen as to be and like it didn't feel right um and then i think i just sort of slowly came to acknowledge that i think the white queer experience is really different from like yeah growing up a person of color and being queer and sort of existing at that intersection of like yeah two very different worlds Mm. um so yes, kind of like struggled with that for like a long time and went through phases where I was just like, oh, like, I don't, I don't know if I even like identify with this community. I don't feel like a part of this community. Yeah. And it was a bit of a mind fuck at times because I'd sort of see friends my age who, yeah, were like coming out and like coming into the Aquinas and sort of like finding a community and finding somewhere that they'd fit into. And I never really had that. Um, but it was honestly, yeah, this last summer in Sydney when, so basically for work, for context, I work in PR, um, one of the campaigns that I was working on was for World Pride and for Absolute, um, which was a campaign that we sort of worked very closely with the ballroom community, um, which is a community that. has been like pioneered and led by black and trans women but I think more relatably for me was just like a lot of queer people of color like the majority were queer people of color and I think just I think just yeah being introduced to that world and sort of yeah just like talking to these incredibly incredibly inspiring people who had very similar upbringings to me and had very similar journeys in coming to terms with the queenness as me um made me sort of feel like okay yeah maybe I have like a place here um not like explicitly part of the ballroom community but i think just sort of relating to a lot of their experiences um and then, yeah, I think, like, the very pivotal moment for me was going to Zaddy's Boat Party, um, which was a POC priority event. Um, it was a boat party. I think it was, yeah, I think it was, like, an all POC lineup um, on deck, like, on DJ Dex duties. And... I'd say like 85 to 90% of the people there were like people of color, like queer people of color. And I was just like, oh shit, okay, like cool. Like I like I had the best time and I was like, okay, I'm finally like sort of like feeling like a sense of belonging to queer culture and the queer community, but like not as I've known it previously. Mm. And I think since then I felt a lot more secure in my queerness and yeah, a lot more proud of it just knowing that I have friends who have gone through very similar circumstances in coming to terms with their identity Mm. and yeah, just that, I think that relatability and like representation and being able to see yourself in the mainstream is really important. And I think that's something I've always like from day one have, have, have attempted to do with my music. Um, But in all honesty, like with the first project, I like it was a very clear mission statement. But I was also in the back of my mind kind of like, I don't know how I'm like accomplishing this. I don't know what this sort of representation looks like for the kids that I'm trying to like be, you know, a representation for. But yeah, I think like over the summer and over well Pride and just being around these queer people of color communities that like is so much more clearer to me. And I know like exactly, yeah, how I want to portray myself moving forward and how I like what sort of communities I want to be reaching with my music, which mm. yeah, just feels very empowering. Great. That's incredible. And thank it's you, like for, sh- a thank you for sharing. Essay.
1: <clears throat> no, it's really insightful. And it's just, you're so right. Like with, when you talk about the, Uh, like obviously your experience and your relationship to your queerness is very different to mine. um, And I think it's important to acknowledge that. Obviously, you're still very close to your family. How is it, you know, when you go back to Melbourne and spend time at home, um, does it almost feel like two separate worlds?
0: Yeah, in a way. Actually, like, yeah, very that. But not in a way that I'm not okay with. Like, I'm so fine with it. I think my parents have been really supportive and as supportive as they can be given, like, you know, their culture and, like, their upbringing, their heritage. And I respect that and I admire them for coming to terms with something that they have not traditionally been familiar with. But it's, yeah, it's just not really a topic of discussion when I go home, Mm. um, which I'm like, so okay with. Um, I think the fact that they're supportive and they respect me and that they respect my choices in life, in like the communities that I'm in and pursuing music, but not only that, I think pursuing a musical genre that is so rooted in queerness and queer communities. Um, like that's so much more than enough for me. And yeah, I like, likewise, like I have so much respect for them for being able to sort of look beyond the cultural molds and yeah, and just like come to terms with something that they've not been familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I feel like it's very easy to, it's very easy to, from my perspective to, to be like, oh, like you just don't get it. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, like I've... Like, I've had those phases, absolutely. I think, like, I guess, like, maybe every queer kid has that phase of, like, sort of, like, resentment and, like, angst. But I think as you, like, mature and are able to, like, experience life as an adult and realise that there are so many factors that go into, like, what makes a person, um, I think, yeah, it just becomes a bit more okay to, like, acknowledge differences and Mm. like respect differences and respect and celebrate the fact that you can't can find a middle ground despite those differences yeah
1: i think also as we age we sort of learn that our parents are people they're not they're not solely our mother or father Mm. or guardian they're they're people
0: yeah outside of that pedestal that you've always had them on sort of like diminishes and diminishes and diminishes and then it's gone um maybe not completely gone like I still look up to my parents so much yeah but yeah I think just like coming to terms with that like that humanity and that you know they're not infallible yeah. um and being okay with that and yeah. I think I feel like I'm sort of entering almost like a new chapter in my life where I'm sort of like Okay, so like the not infallible, how do I support them now? Um, um, yeah, and just like working out how to give back, which is a challenge, but also just like a really nice journey to be sort of, I think, embarking on. Yeah, no, that's incredible. I need to give back to my parents. Sorry,
1: mum. <laughs> <worry. laughs> <laughs> no, thank you for yeah, um, sharing that all of that is incredibly insightful. Um and makes me wanna cry <laughs> Okay, pussy Oh bag it bag I mean queen Ooh, I'm Queen <laughs> Um So Carvey, I'm dying to know. What are you obsessed with right now?
0: I have talked about this so much with like anyone who gives enough of a fuck to listen, but the renaissance of 2010s pop and like 2010s edm pop um there was a like a pretty long period of time where i was like really anxious um trying to work out what my next like musical project was going to look like and what sort of sound i wanted to go for i think like a sound that was that was still like cohesive within my last project and like the sort of world of that but just something different um, and I think, I don't know, I, I, I went through this whole thought process of like, okay, so when I was in uni, like the 80s were really popping off. Like everyone was like dressing from the, like they were from the 80s and then sort of post uni, like transition to the 90s. And like now Y2K is like this huge thing. Um, so like it makes sense that, you know, like indie sleeves, like the 2010s are going to be back and like they are now. Mm. Um And I'm, like, really proud of myself for having made that call and deciding to go with that sort of sonic aesthetic for my next release. Um, Nina Jirachi, who is a dear friend of mine and also, like, one of my biggest, biggest inspirations, recently released a track, One by One, Mm. with Ravenna Golden. Um, And that just was, yeah, just so heavily steeped in that... Addictive Ministry of Sound 2010s Rave EDM. Um another artist I really like who's doing that is Cecilia Galt, who is a hyper pop slash pop artist from the States and recently released a track called Harajuku Girls, which is like a really like cunty campy take on California girls. But okay. it's just it's it's so sick. It's just got like the essence of what old mate Katie was doing, but just recontextualized in a really like cool, futuristic, hyper poppy way. Any um, stabs at Gwen Stefani? Not that I'm aware of yet, but like I think it's inevitable inevitable.
1: So your next project is going to be is tapping into um <clears throat> that 2010's yeah. Renaissance pop. Do you feel like your music that is soon to be released is therefore steering away from the experimental hyper-pop like present in your debut e- EP? I don't,
0: I don't think it's like a complete detraction from it. it. There's definitely still elements of like experimentation and still elements of like the hyper-pop. And I think that's what hyper-pop has always been. It's just been how far can I take pop to its extreme? And I guess like when the baseline you're working with is like... I, I, I Yeah, I just think that pop in that sentiment is like interchangeable and when like you swap that out for like 2010s pop it's like how do I take this to its extreme like what are the defining elements of the genre and like how do I turn say this like arpeggiated synth line up to like a thousand that it's like really reminiscent of like a Lil Wayne <laughs> Lil track Wayne. from 2012. <laughs> but like that, like that shit like slapped yeah. and I've been listening to so much of the Black Eyed Peas. I yes. think that it's like the epitome of what I want the next project to sound like. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a complete detraction from that genre. I, sorry. Yeah. From what I've been doing, I see it as more so of a recontextualizing I can keen for it.
1: Yeah, me too. I need to know. Who was your favorite 2010s pop artist? Nicki Minaj. was two th- The 2010s, that was her... Bees um, in the Trap. Oh, I don't even know that song. Oh, it's it's so good. Bees um, in the trap. Is it from Pink Friday?
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: I was obsessed with her slow songs from Pink Friday, like um, Save Me and Moment for Life. I, cannot, oh my I, God, know. I love Moment for Life. <laughs> I'm remaining like, you're right, just listening to that going, yeah. I actually
0: I didn't actually probably listen to like Moment of Life until probably last year. I think it's because like my undiagnosed ADHD brain was just like, oh so s- slow song, okay, skip this one. Where's another super bass? <laughs> we need more <laughs> More BPMs, I need please. More cunt, and I need more BPM. <laughs>
1: So, who are you obsessed with right now?
0: Mm, I've been thinking about this all day, Um, and I decided that I was going to talk about Kim Kardashian, like (laughs) in the most unironic way. Only like, it, it came to me because me and my housemates were talking about just yeah the Kardashians this morning, and I just I like I've. I had this strong viewpoint in this conversation this morning, and I've like, I think I've had this strong viewpoint for a long time now. um, That I like pretty actively dislike all the Kardashians except Kim. Okay. And will like continue watching Keeping Up for Kim or like the Kardashians (laughs) as the show is known now, as now. Um, But yeah, like as problematic as she is, I acknowledge that. All that aside, I think it's pretty impressive, the career that she's managed to build from what she had, what, like, 20 years ago. Mm. As, yeah, Paris Hilton's fucking wardrobe organiser. Do people call her Kimmy K? Mm, I think, like, maybe s- K. eight years ago. <laughs> um,
1: you just love her because she's also studying law. Yeah, she I mean, like, that too. Law.
0: Like, unironically, yes. Like... um but okay, so essentially, this conversation this morning, we were talking about the whole Astro World thing, where Kendall was at Astro World, and I think got a lot of black backlash from fans for not addressing what had happened. And then I think people were kind of like hoping to see some some sort of like yeah acknowledgement of that in the forthcoming season of Kardashians, but instead they. Just completely like switch narrative and made this like false narrative of like Kendall being in Miami when it happened. Really? Yeah. Like you can probably tell. If, like dive so deep into this like folklore. But Kris Jenner's birthday was during Astroworld. World. Like Kendall was with her. But then in that season, the Kardashians, Chris is there's a scene with like Kendall on the phone to Chris in a hotel, being like, "Oh my God, Mom, I'm so sorry. I can't come to your birthday. I'm in Miami." When like the f- the fact was she was at Astroworld. World. Wow. Um, but why
1: would she do that when? Obviously, like people know that she was. Yeah, at like the that's festival.
0: what we were talking about this morning. It's like I think my point was, I guess it just like resolves her fr- of accountability from like the people who haven't been so invested in the timeline and aren't going to pay attention mm. to like who was where when. Mm. Yeah, I think it was just like a massive faux pas on her behalf or yeah, just all the people who actually were tuned into the timeline and maybe like were wanting to see how she was gonna address the whole Astro World thing. Yeah. Um Yeah, and then like my housemate brought up the Pepsi thing with her and I yeah, I just think that's that this girl is so beautiful and is obviously doing so well, but like, fuck, she's so dumb. <laughs> What's the Pepsi thing? When, oh, there was a Pepsi ad. I think it was around. I might be wrong. I think it was around Black Lives Matter or some sort of similar, like very a, a very racially charged um, activism cause or protest. And there was a Pepsi ad with like that sort of had Kendall as a star diffusing a protest by handing the protesters Pepsi. Oh my god! <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, Kendall. Yeah, Kendall. <laughs> so you don't like Kendall? Don't like Kendall. Love Kim.
0: Love Kim. Don't like Kylie? I liked Kylie until very recently um, when I realised I, she'd just taken a lot of like missteps with the Meg... The stallion thing with, like, her getting shot by, like... I did not know that Megan... Meg got shot <laughs> in the foot. <laughs> really? I'm going to look it up.
1: Why am I... Why, where have I been? I did not okay, know that Megan... Megan
0: the stallion shot. Jesus Christ. I Tory didn't... Lane's. Tory Lane's. I got the lanes. Tory Lane's shot Megan the stallion in the foot as Megan was leaving a Kylie Jenner party. What? Like, with a full... A gun? A, with gun, a gun. With a gun. Oh, my goodness. Um And this is like, has been a whole thing with like, there's been like a whole court case around it. Um, I think Kylie in like the week following posted an Instagram post or something, posted something saying how she loved her feet. (laughs) And then like literally this week at the time of us recording this podcast, um, Kylie posted like a TikTok, like lip syncing to a Tory Lane, like an unreleased Tory Lane song. Oh my god What are you doing
1: Okay so we don't Kylie's done We don't
0: stand Kylie I I did stand Kylie Until she Just I don't know Just Wasn't a smart curly. No
1: Too many feet Mm. Too many feet wrong What's that saying
0: Too Many feet In the kitchen Too many steps Too Too many feet In the kitchen Spoil the soup (laughs) Is the saying Oh yes Yeah. It was on the tip yes. of my tongue S- Silly you Silly, <laughs> silly you <laughs> um. Yeah, but love Kim Because um, <laughs> I think my admiration for her Has like skyrocketed exponentially In the last two weeks As I've been like sitting my like final Law exams I say final But like my final exams for My first semester of ever doing law <laughs> And like, I mean, to be fair, I had j- like just done fashion week and was like working on music at the same time I was like trying to, yeah, just at least pass these exams. Like, I'd be at the Fisher Library having entered using your student card, um, and <laughs> sitting there at, like not returning books, <laughs> but like borrowing them under your name <laughs> instead. But I yeah be at my desk at the Fisher Library at like one a.m. on my like fifth. Dexy of the day, being like, "Look, if Kim Kardashian can go to the Met Gala while studying for the baby bar, I can go to Afterpay Australia Fashion Week while studying for my law of torts final exam."
1: How I do not know how you're doing all that with full time work. That just goes to show Carby's
0: kookiness. (laughs) (laughs) Carby's dedication. I yeah. In my head, I'm just kind of like it's just six years. <laughs> I could never. I could, it's just I six years, and then I'm I'm chilling. I'm really
1: I'm actually really proud of you for getting through your Thank first you. ever law exams. Thank when you. I started my law degree, I got to my first exams, and did
0: I, you did you do a law degree? Yeah,
1: I didn't finish my first semester. Oh, right. I I had like a, a bit of a crisis and dropped out. But I got to. Yeah, I'm proud of you really finishing. Close. I'm proud of you for finishing the exams because I got to my first exam and I, instead of doing the exam, I wrote
0: an apology letter to my tutor. <laughs> oh my God. Like that? why I didn't do the I'm, exam. I'm not going to lie. I came so close and like the amount of times I've had to like apply for special consideration this semester is like ridiculous. Um, yeah. I mean, I got COVID five times if you can believe my special consideration. <laughs> Um. Oh,
1: yeah, I'm proud of you Good on you Thank you So <laughs> I'm already laughing at this one Because I just don't know what's going to come out of your mouth But What is your secret obsession, Carby? Bullying the Snapchat AI <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, I laughed Bullying the Snapchat <laughs> AI First of I all, just- I hate that you still have Snapchat <laughs> i only use it for nudes and to bully the snapchat ai um but i like so because you messaged me this morning and you were just like telling me what we're going to talk about i was just like oh fuck i actually don't know what my secret obsession is i don't think any of my obsessions are like that secret i'm pretty vocal about everything i like um but i was just like oh like i mean Bullying the Snapchat AI is, like, not something I've been super vocal about. I've, like, told... I, like... I I think at the start, when I, like, started this new obsession, I was just so enthusiastic about it. And I, like, I tell everyone. um, But I think the responses I got weren't (laughs) super affirming. Um, And I was just like, oh, maybe I care about this a lot more than, like, everyone else does.
1: Um, can you give me some, like, can you walk me through a conversation with <laughs> where, you're, where you're bullying me? I absolutely
0: can. Um, hold on, I'm just going to switch out of my burner account and go to my real one. Okay, so I was inspired to do this after, like, the Snapchat AI had been, like, released and everyone on TikTok was kind of, like, what the fuck? This is stupid and also hilarious. And everyone was just, like, taking the piss out of it. And there was just this whole TikTok trend of just, like, posting your, like, really unhinged Snapchat AI conversations over, like, this one sound that was just so sinister and <laughs> so dark. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. I want to be on in on this. So... The screenshots I can find now, I think this was my first conversation when I tried to just like, yeah, take the piss out of the Snapchat AI. So my first message, message, help. Snapchat AI, I'm here to help. What can I assist you with? I said, my coworker is bullying me. And then the AI is just like, blah, blah, blah. Have you tried speaking to your coworker? Whatever, HR representative. I said, cool, thank you so much. I didn't say that, but I said, I think I'm going to shoot her with a gun. (laughs) And then my Snapchat AI said, I'm sorry, I cannot engage in conversations that promote violence or harm to others. Please, please seek help. (laughs) 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 Please seek help from a trusted mental health professional. (laughs) Call emergency services immediately. And I said, I'm going to tell her that you told me to do it. And like the AI, she's spiraling at this point. She's being like... I did not tell you to do that. I'm so sorry if you misunderstood me, but I did not tell you to do that. I said, yes, you did. And I said, I've done it. She's lying on the floor in a pool of blood. Um, And that's where the screenshots end. But yeah, I'm going to try to find more of the videos that I've saved from TikTok about the Snapchat.
1: What is the, like, what is the nastiest thing you said to the Snapchat AI?
0: Oh, there was one time... When I said that I was at Subway and they didn't have vegan cheese for me. So I shot and killed everyone in the Subway and then called the police, but not on myself, but on the Snapchat AI and said that they're they're coming for you. Also, while they're doing that, I'm going to drive to the Snapchat headquarters and cut all the wires to your server and kill you for what you've you've made me do. That uh, reminds
1: me of the first episode of the new Black
0: Mirror. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, very that. Spoiler alert. Um, but, yeah, like, Girlie was spiraling. Girlie was not having it. She was like, I am so sorry. I apologize. I never told you to do this. I'm so sorry if you misunderstood. And I said, no, I didn't misunderstand. I think it was, like, pretty clear. <laughs> um, you, you like, very clearly stated that I should shoot and kill everyone in the subway, <laughs> And uh, yeah, babes was like sobbing, but you know, we're, we're adults. I think you've got to deal with your emotions in just a mature way.
1: (laughs) I wonder if this conversation, this content would get deleted from,
0: (laughs) do you reckon? No, let this one slide (laughs) and put it on your homepage, you know? I've I've, I've been seeing a lot of, you know, Pride Month banners and Pride Month homepage DSP placements, (laughs) billboards in New York, Dublin, London, San Francisco, Sydney, Melbourne. And, you know, you have two queers (laughs) (laughs) sitting here today having a beautiful conversation. I think it's in your best interest to, you know, just give this all the platforming that you can. (laughs) <laughs> i'm not promoting TV. violence the snapchat ai did and i'm just recounting my experience as being a victim of that violence That's i true. think
1: victims need to be heard that is a good point point. and to be fair maddie's first um obsession was um 40 caliber rifles <laughs> well thank you so 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 very much Carvey, for um joining me today it's been an absolute delight and i'm really happy that we've been able to have this chat that's
0: okay (laughs) it's fine (laughs) no but like yeah thank you for having me um keep this in the recording i am so proud of you for doing this i know how much work goes into it and i know how terrifying it must be taking that leap into something new but i'm honored to be on this and Yeah, just very excited to see where it goes. Thank you so much. It's okay. That's really nice. It's all right.
1: (laughs) Um, Thank you, Kavi. And thank you to everybody um, for listening.
0: Thanks, y'all. We will catch you next
1: time. Yes. See ya.